as hopeless as any boys I have ever trained. Sir Alistair Thorne announced when they had assembled in the yard. Your hands were made for manure shovels, not for swords. And if it were up to me, the lot of you would be herding swine. But last night I was told that Girin is marching five new boys up the King's Road. One or two may even be worth the price of piss. To make room for them, I've decided to pass eight of you on to the Lord Commander to do as he will. He called out the names, one by one. Toad, Stonehead, Oryx, Lover, Pimple, <laughs> Monkey, Sir Loon. Last, he looked at John. On the bastard. <laughs> Game of Owns sometimes reads the words from the books that we're talking about in the show. Welcome, everyone. And by sometimes, I mean this is the first time ever. Yeah, just, just this one time. Just this one. We are uh, cascading gently into the overflow that came from the cup that runneth over that just so happened to be Hodor week. <laughs> the cup that runneth over. That was excellent. It was, it was off the top of my head. Beside me, just in case you guys were looking for a drink update, I have a liter of Sprite poured into a wine decanter with parts of apple juice, parts of orange juice, simply orange, and parts of lime juice. What about you, Eric? That sounds lovely. Um, beneath the area that is the recording... Um, stand of my microphone <laughs> i have I, see i'm not as good at this uh improvising as you i have a very real bottle of water uh not to be confused with the fictional bottles of water but uh it's crystal geezer <laughs> i Wait. think you mean geyser geyser <laughs> how do you read this off the top of your head you read that word and it looks like geezer. Geyser. <laughs> Crystal geyser natural alpine spring water. Eric is drinking an aged bottle of water, everyone. It, it is, is actually an aged bottle of water. Did I say it was new? I actually got this uh, probably a week ago. I keep refilling it because I like the uh, the way that the mechanism at the top opens up. You ever have that? Oh, it's one of those uh, sports lids, as if it's it were. It's got a, uh, a yeah, nip, it's like... A um, little nipple on the top. It's a substitute for a real water bottle. But, right. Um, it brings us anyway. back to our uh, roots as small baby children. <laughs> it's got a nipple on it. Well, if you get the, finally we get the truth. If you guys haven't noticed, um, it's just Eric and I today. We're in the wake of not only Holder Week, but still Hurricane Sandor is in the rebuilding process, and uh, Micah will be joining us next week. And apparently, um, they prepare for Christmas quite early in Sweden. Selena was <laughs> commissioned to chop down some trees for us uh, for her local uh, community uh, <laughs> over there, and uh, I guess she's. She's still working on on going out and, and kind of securing the Christmas trees for the season for for her village. <laughs> An abundance of plaid was found, and uh, <laughs> the trees fell underneath her mighty swing. You know the really impressive thing about um, Selena and her woodcutting expenditure is that she gained sixteen levels while she was there. She told me, but also walked away without any cuts, like any serious cuts at all, or, or blisters even. You know, I'd say it's good blood. Uh, yeah. You know, I think she's probably related to, like, Paul Bunyan or some shit. <laughs> so, Hodor Week was fun. We had Christian on the show, and we've been reading your comments and stuff between ourselves for your recording, and really over, over the whole weekend and stuff. And it's just been, mm-hmm. I don't know, I speak for myself here and also Selena, but damn, we've been uh, really happy. I'm glad that you guys super enjoyed it. That's all that we wanted. Absolutely. And we'll have to do it again sometime. I think uh, Christian definitely seemed up to the idea. As long as we don't run it concurrently with shark week, that was a complete oversight on our part the first time. <laughs> um, I'm looking at pictures of Eric on Halloween right now. Oh gosh. Yeah. I unfortunately had Facebook open, but on top of that, there was a, a light in the darkness and that was Eric's tuxedo shirt. 
was it a tuxedo shirt thing or a was tuxedo it? shirt? Oh, it was weird. It had a you mean for the Joker? Yeah, yeah. No, it was like uh, it had like a vest, um, but it wasn't a vest. It was like one piece of felt that was the vest, the tie. It was like a t- tuxedo shirt, actually. Now that you mention it, but it was also woven or woven around. It was the the purple collar and the purple like suit. So it was like the whole top, literally the whole top of the costume. Like the everything you too. See, every, yeah, everything yeah. you see on my on my costume is is one piece. Like, and then I had to get the pants. Um, in this particular photo that I'm putting in the show notes right now, there is a uh, sinister man behind Eric <laughs> holding a glass of what appears to be like all substance. Was it dangerous there? You, uh, I have to tell you about this guy uh, since you brought him up. He was actually take a guess. Like, what do you think? His, what would you say his costume is? Oh, his costume. Hmm. I I honestly like I have nothing interesting. I have no idea. He's got a bag. He's like. <sighs> He's a mobster, maybe, on vacation? I think, I think the bag is probably, uh, this may have been towards the end of the night where we're all ca- sort of carrying our shit to our cars, but um, no, he was actually, uh, you know, to keep you all um, from dying of suspense, he's the breast cancer awareness pimp. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's oh. that's what that's what he went as. Apparently, right. um, I mean, breast cancer awareness is, is, is certainly important. Absolutely. And uh, breast cancer, no laughing matter. Um, it's actually diabetes month now that I think about it, this month. November is diabetes month and uh maybe October was breast cancer awareness, but uh he's the breast cancer awareness pimp. The salmon tie should have given it away. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But my tie is uh sort of a, a more golden brown. Right now we're reading stuff from the Game of Thrones book from the first one ever, and, and it's actually really appropriate that it would just be you and I left to do the episode today, but um because Mike and Selena are obviously way past this section and, and Eric and I get to delve in our newbiness climb deep inside of it and take a, a boat with it all the way across the shore. And we're reading a part that I feel was left out of the show, obviously because it's kind of small, but after I'd read it, I was just like, Oh, this is great because we get to see first off Sir Alistair giving them a whole lot of shit up on the wall because they all suck apparently in his <laughs> eyes and they're going to become men of the night's watch. And he's pissed off about that because he doesn't really like anything. John has a problem with it because his good buddy, old Samwise Gamgee, excuse me, Samuel Tarley, um, isn't going to be able to graduate with him. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I don't know this, I guess in a word, this chapter was, uh, I can't think of it. Cold. <laughs> cold? Yeah. This chapter was cold. There are, <laughs> there is, Jon Snow goes for a, for a very freezing, uh, fr- freezing, frozen <laughs> trek across the, uh, the tundra. The tundra. tundra. Tundra, Tundriff? What yeah. is Tundra? It's different tundra. in Westeros. It's called the Tundra. The Tundra. Yeah. Um, but no, actually, it's uh, it's good looking out. I mean, Jon Snow is is very... There was a word, actually, that fits this chapter and the next one uh, that I was thinking while I was reading it. It's obviously lost for me now. But uh, no, it's it's heartfelt. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because both this chapter and the one that follow it are um, kind of caring. The character's behave in a in a very uh, friendly or loving kind of way but they're men you know they're they're not there are no mothers this isn't a Catelyn chapter where she's you know loving her sons or anything like that but it's these guys and they're kind of looking out for each other there's like bromance yeah it's 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 sincere like like bromance and building building male relationships so positive strong male relationships in in, in these in this in the next chapter it was neat because not only is John taking up for Sam, but there was a really cool exchange where basically Pip, 
who, not to be confused with another Pip, but Pip and all the other boys, they're hanging with John and they're just laughing and they're they're drinking wine and like, oh, one got pissed off because the other splashed wine on John. Like, it is really romantiful, even beyond the Sam stuff, because John is hanging out with these guys. And we're seeing, you know, what was the chapter we just did before that? It was something like, it was a battle for the death, you know, yeah. and people yeah, getting... Yeah, it was Bronn and Tyrion, it was the Catelyn chapter. Right, getting promised to go ride the battle side and hopefully die. Like, there's, there's such a large juxtaposition between all the stuff that we see. Even, you know, the future of these guys were inside of something that is calm. And, you know, it's something kind of like Potter, almost. It's like, you know how we had chapters reading through the Potter books? And some of them were just simply about sitting and eating food. And then some of them were about souls being stolen from people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just neat to think about. It's I think that those those are, those are the most successful stories because it's not just one thing. There's some real downtime, uh, but also that you know the characters are still like there's a lot of character building here. I mean there isn't there are important points. Uh, yeah, especially when John uh, talks to Master Eamon about um, you know the gold chain around his neck and why they wear it and stuff like that. You know, it's some substance. Uh, John is recalling that story from his childhood, um, and it kind of adds depth. I think it really just does add depth to the uh, to the narrative. Whereas if you're just you know fighting and stuff, it's all exciting, has the real potential to be a gripping novel, but it's it's not deep. You know, it's just kind of surface action, big bang boom. I like that in this chapter we also got to learn so much more about the different roles on the wall, and particularly the the whole concept of the builders came out to me because they didn't explore that in the TV show at all. I'm just going to read a part from the book because I thought it was really strong. Sure. It says. Sure. The order of builders provided the masons and carpenters to repair keeps and towers, the miners to dig tunnels and crush stones for roads and footpaths, the woodsmen to clear away new growth wherever the forest pressed too close to the wall. Once it was said, they had quarried immense blocks of ice from frozen lakes deep into the haunted forest, dragging them south on sledges so the wall might be raised even higher. Those days were a century gone, however, now it was all they could do to ride the wall from East Watch to the Shadow Tower, watching for cracks or signs of melt, making repairs where they could. So we have sort of a more illustrated idea of these sort of even the sub jobs within the builder job, which is there's like builders, stewards, rangers, and then just normal men of the men of the night watch who are hanging out. Right. And that's something that didn't really explore in the show. I feel like it was always there, but I know for me and probably a lot of you guys listening to the show right now, we always thought when the rapers and all the other guys were getting taken to the wall, they were just going to be stuck with a sword in their hand. Like they weren't going to be given an aptitude test and told where to go, you know? Yeah. This definitely added depth to that. And I think it was much needed understanding because again, you're thinking, Oh, there's just these guys with swords at the wall, but no, they do have, you know, as it turns out they're they're quite, um, uh, you know, they're assigned to a specific duty. It's like a mini um, city or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has to be, you know, any kind of settlement, you know, in the middle of nowhere that has to support itself. It makes sense that they would have people like milking cows and then other stuff. But you know, until we until we'd seen it, I had no idea how it would be figured out. And also that bit about them like patching where they can as opposed to like still adding to the wall made me really like nervous for what was to come. Because right. it sounds like they're just putting band-aids on a on a, you know, a huge fissure. Right. Um, which is going to cause the wall to, 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 to topple down. But I mean, how do you think they'd even go about getting blocks of ice from underneath a frozen lake? Like it seems that in any kind of recorded history, everyone just looks back in the past and is like, how the hell did they do that? <laughs> you know, like the pyramids were like, the how did they build pyramids? Have you you're seen? Right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Like the, but Hancock Tower and all these different buildings in the world and just cities, for example, 
are so much less impressive to people. I think of these buildings, you know, I'm thinking, you know, uh, where Jamba Juice and shit is in Chicago. Like everyone leans back and gets a photo. Yeah. I, I get photos there. So when I, you know, hang out in Chicago, I'm like, this is sweet. I'm going to Instagram this shit. And it's going to look awesome. Yeah. But people don't think about, oh, the pyramids, they're so much better because they didn't have much technology back then. It's like, well, it's just a bunch of rocks and stuff. I mean, of course, there's some great technology on the inside. But even for these guys, they're looking at the possibility of doing any more work on the wall as like a fantasy. There's just some moments of realism where I think, oh, that makes a lot of sense where I'm reading about him in, in, in George R. R. Martin. Even the um, the nicknames for the boys, um, Monkey, Pimple, Toad, <laughs> Stonehead, I'm like, okay, I right. wonder what their real names are, but at the same time, I'm sure, quite sure it doesn't matter. Right. You know, like they're known to each other as Pimple and Stonehead. So we find out later that Sir Alistair is based on Sawyer from Lost. <laughs> 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 stay buffed <laughs> anyway uh so yeah it's funny um on top of it all the context that's really trying to paint here i believe is that there was a more fruitful time when the wall was more needed i guess or when armies it just seems like the past was just so much more grand and we're just like riding off of its coattails almost yeah that uh, that definitely has real world implications I exactly think. like the wall yeah. was so much more busy bustling they had Thousands of men, and the wall is just so powerful. They had riders that were hanging out on the top, smoking pipe weed, like passing stuff around, being friends, making the wall even stronger. And now it's lucky if anyone even volunteers, let alone has to get dragged there from King's Landing, you know? Like they're begging Tyrion to bring people just so they could, let alone have rangers, you know? Yeah. And that kind of stuff is the detail you find in pretty much all of these wall chapters where they're talking about, you know, how much in disrepair it really is. But I think, you know, what set this one apart is that John, you know, kind of goes off on his own and and enacts a plan that that changes the future of of, well, Sam. When he walked to the Macer's door and had the whole bit with Chet, his Chet, I guess you call him his steward. Yeah, Chet's his steward. And he's trying to get in to go see the Macer after his ride that Eric mentioned earlier. And he sucks, sticks his heel in the door. And John is just he's I feel like he's got so much of Ned in him, even though he probably doesn't as in he probably doesn't at all but he's just standing <laughs> he's, he's standing at the door and he's like listen you're gonna have to let me in and i'm, I'm thinking like john you're a badass like you haven't even been there that long and you're not even sworn or whatever yet but he's giving the guy shit and then he eventually gets let in yeah i i do want to talk about what he says to master Eamon, of course but what about that bit about him not having taken the oath yet I thought that was the first thing they did when they get there. It's weird. It's like it's like there's a substandard oath. And I know that some of you guys may be correcting us with the dimensions and particulars of what exactly yeah. it is. Sure. They, they go to the tree, which is later depicted in the show near the end of season one. And then they're officially Men of the Night's Watch. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, this this chapter, when John goes off on his own, he, he brings Ghost to kind of go in the woods. He's kind of riding for a little bit until his, like, horse gets tired. Then he's like, oh, I have to turn back. Um but uh, he's thinking, you know, oh, I haven't even taken the, the oath yet. I, I can absolutely leave and go to Winterfell. Um, and the only thing that stops him is he realizes, oh, but Catelyn, you know, I won't be really welcomed back there. And the wall's pretty much all I have going on. Nobody nobody likes me anywhere else. He's sitting on the horse riding and he's thinking about all these things in the past. He's reliving moments with when he gave Arya a needle and all these different things and thought comes across his mind. And again, he thinks about his mother. And this is another one of the things we talk about on the show where we're just like, yeah. Oh, it's in our face again. And he says, there is this inside of his mind. He says, because she was a horror and adulterous fool, something dark and dishonorable or else why was Lord Eddard too ashamed to speak of her? So again, why indeed, why, indeed? why it's a mystery, all this mystery, which creates drama, which creates a story. 
And then he meets Chet. And Chet is another one of those things that just pulls you right out of the story. He's really, really concerned about the maester sleeping, even though he wasn't. He's really, really concerned about the maester being warm, even though he doesn't really appreciate the furs he lays across his legs. Although I'm sure they all appreciated the the merrily cracking fire in the fireplace. How about how about the point where uh, inter- when introducing them, um, either John was thinking or it was just said this that they gave the master Amen the two ugliest guys. In the, uh, in the encampment because he's blind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as as his servants, I really, I really did enjoy this part because, like I said earlier, I had no idea John was doing this. I had no idea he was going to Maester Amen and being like, "Listen," because this is basically what he said. He he goes to Maester Amen and obviously read the book for the uh, very bard like recollection of what exactly he's saying, but mm-hmm. he's basically just being like, "I am about to become a man of the wall." A man of the Night's Watch. I'm about to take my oath. But there's this guy, Sam, and I really believe he's better fitted for something else and he's being mistreated. Yeah, I think, you know, he is looking out for Sam and the fact that they're all getting, uh, as they say, promoted, um, you know, and Sam is going to be left behind in sort of the training yard. And, you know, Sam he has many faults, but, you know, he he, he just won't do well at all without the protection of Jon Snow, which he's, he's had, you know, been fortunate enough to have pretty much this whole time. And Jon, you know, kind of says, well, he has potential, just not really in the fighting department and really wants to illustrate his other values. Now, the funny thing, and perhaps the funniest thing I think of this chapter is he, he, he gets master Eamon to be like, to be like, okay, so what other skills does he have? I see and your then, point. <laughs> and then John and then John can't come up with any. I wrote this as the, um, you know, normally we do owns, and this might be a little premature, but uh, this one's a fail of the chapter. Um, <laughs> Master Eamon finally, uh, you know, like, finally responds. He says, uh, well, is your friend a hunter? <laughs> and, then, and then he goes, he hates hunting, John had to admit. And Master Eamon says, can he plow a field? The master asked. Can he drive a wagon or sail a ship could he butcher a cow and john says no so no one that we know could ever exist there essentially uh it's so good because essentially what we find out that he's sort of leading to sort of coyly is john is sort of saying i think he would be a better steward for you than this guy who's sitting yeah. in the room with you. Yeah. He's yeah. totally trying to like replace Chet. Yeah. And Chet's hanging out. Chet's pissed, dude. He's, fr- Chet's he's totally pissed. He's like, he's making all sorts of remarks about how weaklings need to be, you know, reprimanded with steel and how, you know, can't do a thing that the other thing and how hard <laughs> their job as stewards is. And, and here Jon Snow is recommending this candidate with like zero qualifications. Even Jon Snow can't really quite put a, put words around you know the 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 immediacy you know that master Eamon just doesn't know what to get it's it's like you wake this guy up or you go to this guy's office late at night you you don't really expect to succeed because when you when you do succeed he has nothing to say he's like i can't really you know i can support my friend sam but he's not really quantifiable like all the things he's good at eh, kind of this and that, this and that. like I, I don't know. He does say this. He calls out Chet, and Chet's scorned because the Hardy Boys kicked him out years ago. <laughs> and he he comes to Chet, and he says, or he's he's there in the conversation, and he's like, "But Sam can read, and I know that Chet can't." He literally says that. He's like, "I know." That. <laughs> Chet's in the room. He's like, "Sam can read, and he'd probably be better to take care of your ravens. Animals love him and shit. It's good. So you, 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 you just a man. You just rely on Chet. So 
Chat, sorry, bud. I don't mean I don't mean to burst your uh, proverbial bubbly here, but you might be getting replaced by Sam soon. Oh man! So is that your actual own? Yeah, that's my own. Just just John's complete failure. He he's his heart. You know, he goes to recommend Sam for this higher position, but then can't really figure out what he'd be good for. Well, my own of this day shall be a quote that I shall read at this moment, and it goes as. Do you think they'll keep us together? I'm not going to be excitable about this because I don't really know how Pip would say it. I might just say it like Pippin. Let me think. Do you think they'll keep us together? Pip wondered as they... That's Braveheart. Do you think they'll keep us together? Pip wondered as they gorged themselves happily. Toad made a face. I hope not. I'm sick of looking at those ears of yours. Oh, said Pip. Listen to the crow call the raven black. You're certain, Ranger, to be Toad. They'll want you as far from the castle as they can. If Mance Raider attacks, lift your visor and show your face, and he'll run off screaming. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that. And hopefully a couple of you guys sitting at home in the studio audience uh, got a little chuckle out of that one. Certainly hope so. That was, uh, and then, hey, mention, early mention of Mance Raider. Look at that. Yeah, right? We're getting more uh, teases of him, as it were. I know that we are only days in the wake of the wave that was Hoder Week, but your tweets are still there, and they're still own-worthy, and they're still tweet-worthy, and they're still going to be said aloud right now. Yes, indeed. So Miss Lane uh, kicked off the uh, the week. Actually, no, people were talking before, but Miss Lane uh, in particular, I just said, Hello, Dor! Can't wait to hear you this week on Game of Thrones this week. That's awesome. Where the hell is that? Uh, there, was, there was much excitement. Uh, to greet him, I'm sure he uh, definitely appreciated that. Hodor Mord 2016, Shaga can be Secretary of State. And by state, I mean feeding nuts to goats. Matthew Potter. <laughs> Toko Masho, killing it. Megan says, I started doing a happy dance when I saw this, and my parents looked at me like I should be locked in a vault. Okay. <laughs> okay, Greek Greekia Karina Garcia. Grecia? Grecia Karina Garcia says, Christian Nairn owned all of your collective asses about Shark Week. If you <laughs> like so- Shark Week, that is. Radis of Rohan. Uh, good, good, good handle that you have. And uh, although slightly your, uh, your shit Olympics logo is pretty hilarious. <laughs> and she quotes Christian when he says, what the fuck is shark week? So yeah, it's good to see that you guys, uh, took kindly to a lot of the content that was in the show. Honestly, uh, we've been, like I said earlier in the episode, we've been kind of blown away by all the, uh, magical direct quotes that you guys have. I think that we should just have all of them on the show at some point. Just when I say all of them, Eric, just all of them. What do you say about that? I think that would be a fat Skype call. Uh, Yeah, it would be a really fat Skype call. But if we did it on Google Voice, we could all wear hats. Exactly. So we'll just... Well, here's, here's here's the plan, everybody. Uh, send your tweets. Twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Send your emails. Content Game um, You know, Facebook is, is around somewhere. Just send all your shit in. And eventually what's going to happen is we're going to collect most of the more hilarious stuff. And then we're just going to have one night where we're celebrating maybe it'll be like uh here look we're creating on the fly eric maybe it'll be like um the week before season three and we're just hanging out and everyone just comes in and makes last minute predictions about what kind of stuff they're going to change for the show (laughs) maybe by then i'll have read the book yeah exactly so we'll have everybody on it'll be great it'll be beautiful christian himself uh tweeted I have to say that Game of Owns interview podcast three-parter was one of my favorites I've done. Give it a listen. A.K.A. his first favorite of all time. Yeah. Ding, 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 yeah. Ding, ding. <laughs> you got it. Ding, slots, soft riots everywhere. Soft riots are all over the place, um, cascading off of our clothes. And speaking of Christian, his threat from last week still stands and perhaps will for some time. 
for the rest uh, of existence. The rest of existence, but also until Micah can come back and, and yes. give us uh, one of his own. But that uh, that threat was completely unexpected for a five-star iTunes rating. Uh, listen to the very last couple seconds of part three of our Christian interview to um, to catch up on that if you missed it. Actually, why don't we play the audio from it right now? Okay, guys, give this show a five-star rating or I will beat you around the face and neck with my prosthetic hodor penis. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Zach Louie. Have a nice week. Blah, blah.